Dr. Christine Gomes is a licensed clinical psychologist and has a passion for the polyvagal theory and yoga for trauma. Today's conversation, we're going to talk about how these two ideas work very well together to help humans be better humans, to release what we need to release, to embrace what we can embrace, and to live the life that we are put here to live. Really appreciate uh, Dr. Christine's insight on these theories and these uh, applications, and really love the way that the human mind and the individual finds beautiful ways to pair information. So really hope you get something out of this conversation. We'll see you on the other side. And now an uninterrupted podcast with Dr. Christine Gomes. All right, welcome back to the show. Today I'm joined by Dr. Christine Gomes. Uh, Christine is a, a friend of mine that I've been yoging with for the few years now since Bliss opened. And, um, and Christine's been on a very interesting path to uh, explore polyvagal theory, uh, trauma for yoga, and how a lot of this kind of moves together and kind of coincides and supports one another. And uh, if you've listened to the show, I've had some people on talking about the uh, polyvagal theory in the past, but never the correlation with yoga and how this kind of moves together with it. And being a yoga teacher, it's right my jam, right? <laughs> so like, let's talk about this shit. Um, so we'll talk about the polyvagal theory, kind of what that basic explanation is and kind of go through all this. But uh, one of the things that I've, I found a cool quote from uh, Deb Dana, who uh, Christine will talk more about, um, that kind of like talks about how the polyvagal theory just lands in life. And the quote was paraphrasing, uh, the it's the science of connection, mm -hmm. the science of feeling safe enough to fall in love with life. Yeah. God damn. That is a fucking statement. Yeah. Ugh. And that's, and that's so, that's so true. And, and the more we talk about the polyvagal theory, you'll get a better understanding of that. But you know, this, this all, you know, relates back to our nervous system and how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about like what the body's doing. Yeah. And if, you know, if we don't have these feelings and we don't understand and trust these feelings and we're just in the state of like disrepair constantly. Yeah. So thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. I'm so excited to hear about your, uh, your, your, your information. You've just given a talk on this at a mm -hmm. conference at the uh, national mental health conference. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Congratulations on that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, uh, so maybe just starting off by talking about, you know, basic of the polyvagal theory and kind of uh, how you, uh, how you found it, how, okay. how it like spoke to you. Absolutely. So I love that quote. Um, and the, the word that sticks out to me the most is safe. Mm. And so polyvagal theory is really all about the fact that no growth and healing can happen when we don't feel safe. Mm. Right. And and the thing about trauma is that it causes our nervous systems to believe we're not safe, right? To react as if we're not safe. Right. And so polyvagal theory was, um, you know, coined by Stephen Porges in 1994. And so there's just been so much done. I, I was looking at it for something I was writing and it said that just his original paper has been... Um, like referenced like 2,500 times in wow. other, in other papers since then. So it's a really, really foundational, um, concept and, and theory. I need to look up why it's not like an actual fact and it's still a theory yeah, but right. I, because they have done quite a bit of like, you know, um, studying on it. Um, but anyway, uh, what it is based on is our vagus nerve, mm -hmm. um, which is the 10th cranial nerve and it governs the parasympathetic nervous system. Okay. 
And so, you know, you and I were just talking about how our society is so like sort of masculine dominated, yang dominated. Mm-hmm. Um, I notice I can even feel the right side of my face more than I can feel the left side of my face. You know, wow. um, I've been starting to, to meditate on that and just like, it's very interesting what happens when you start feeling the left. <laughs> and, and for those that don't know what she's referencing is the, the right side of our body tends to be that masculine representing side and the left side tends to be the feminine representing side. Yeah. And we all have both, right? right. It's not just because I represent it, recognize as a, as a as a man or a male that I only have masculine, sure. right? I do have the balance of the two. Yeah. And I like the the explanation of some of that stuff because the masculine side is just like the, you know, the side that's active right now as I'm explaining something, as I'm, you know, working towards my goals and things like that, that the boots on the ground. But, but what's so wonderful is the left-hand side, um, you know, is that more spiritual side and I think is the more parasympathetic side. Right, yeah. So what's really interesting Um, I was saying this to you before we got on recording. What's really interesting is I do think that like yogis and, um, you know, the yoga, Yogi Pantanjali, like they've known these things for a very long time. What's very exciting is that the neuroscience is now catching up, you know, and it's, and it's showing us. So, um, most of us tend to be very, um, our sympathetic nervous systems tend to be very active most of the time, right. particularly with, with trauma. Mm-hmm. And um, right now I work in a prison, and really that what that means is that I work with traumatized people who, you know, I hear the worst stories. People sometimes, like, make fun of me because I can't watch, like, scary movies or true crime. I'm like, the, like I know too much about the real terrible stuff. Right, yeah. Like, I just, it's not entertaining to me. I don't want to have anything to do with it. But Yeah, give me a Disney movie. Exactly. You know, right? Shit. <laughs> big, big Bang Theory over and over there again. You, <laughs> you know? Um, so, anyway, so what we're dealing with is, like, just so much trauma. And I think um, what drew me to polyvagal theory was the fact that we it has to do with safety. And um, in therapy, oftentimes we talk about safety between yourself and the therapist, right? There's like attachment theory and and like, you know, kind of creating that safety. Mm -hmm. What I love about yoga and meditation is that you start to develop a relationship with yourself. Yes. Um, And like, and really that's why I love, um, like I was at a yoga retreat the other day and, uh, or a few weeks ago and literally right before the class, I saw, not even in my mind's eye, just literally saw um, a yin and yang symbol when I closed my eyes. And Mm. I was like, huh, okay, let me tuck that away. I don't know what that means. But lately, you know, Source has just been talking to me so much about, um, that's how I refer to God or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, my guide, Source, universe. Um, So much about like the the two sides and how the two sides are actually in relationship with each other. Right, yeah. And, um, And then, so... So yeah, so polyvagal theory says if if you're safe, then the sky's the limit in terms of healing. Mm-hmm. Um, most of us are not safe, so it's broken up into, or you know, most of the time, yeah, it's broken up into ventral vagal is when we're it's the most human part. It's the most you know when uh, it's the myelinated part of your brain, which you know you have all the nerve endings that or the nerves that create get created, and then as you grow, like as you're a toddler and stuff, like those, those are getting myelinated. So it's like a fatty substance that kind of, if anybody's a neurobiologist, you know that I have almost no clue what I'm talking about, but anyway, um, (laughs) so they're like, not a fatty substance exactly. But anyway, I think they're, they're coded with something that allows, you know, for this learning. And so, so the, the theory is that when we activate social safety, 
the um, that there's an actual part of the vagus nerve that gets activated. Okay. Um, then when you're in sympathetic, you know, other things are being activated, right? And then, so there's, it starts with ventral vagal, then sympathetic when it's fight or flight. Mm -hmm. Then there's a thing called dorsal vagal, which is absolute shutdown. And that's what you and I had talked about. Um, And so what that is, is like when your, your nervous system is so traumatized, um, it's working so over time that then you, you just have a collapse state. So not kind of like the deer in the headlights freeze in sympathetic, but just literally like I have absolutely nothing left. Um, And so the reason I really um, was drawn to this is because I read a book called The Body Keeps the Score Mm, by by Vessel van der Kolk. And then he mentioned yoga in there. He also mentioned internal family systems therapy, which is a lot of part of what I do and part of how I think. Um, That's where the relationship with oneself comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you add the collective in too, and you're like, wow, I'm just so safe. I can like see heaven, right? Like, you know, I can like, and it really does become, I was just saying that, that like, I'm like, man, just being alive is really awesome. But you know, you hear people say that and you're like, <laughs> until you've experienced it, yeah. right? And then you're like, no, I, I kind of get it. Like, it's so cool that I get to breathe. Yeah. Like, it's so cool that I get to be here on this adventure, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, so there's a couple things that, that, um, that some some vocabulary words you use that mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that everybody understands. Okay. So uh, parasympathetic nervous system, that's our safe, that's where we feel safe, we feel relaxed, we feel mm-hmm. that we can be a part of humanity, right? And mm-hmm. would that be kind of what the ventral vagal stage would be? So ventral vagal and dorsal vagal are both both parasympathetic. Parasympathetic, okay. So parasympathetic is what's activated so that we can sleep, so that we, it's rest and digest. Okay. So it gets activated so that our bodies can do what they need to do. Um, it's, it's the state that we are in in meditation and stuff. And so that's kind of why I was saying, I think our society is so sort of sympathetic, right. um, dominated that that we almost in parasympathetic, it's a whole different way of knowing, right? Mm -hmm. It is the body keeps the score. It tells you what your body tells you. And I I've been doing some work recently just with myself on, you know, primal like screaming kind of, and like, just like not even intentionally, but I'm going through this stuff and I'm just like, what the heck was that noise, you know? But, but I know, right. There's this, this way of knowing that, you know, my, I'm such an intellectual that I don't have, understanding our words for it, but it's really cool to just kind of like observe my body releasing, you know, um, mm-hmm. certain trauma that I just, I will never have words for cause we didn't, we don't have episodic memories for everything. Right. Right. And that's, I think what's so important about finding things that relate to this, you know, this is, <clears throat> this is stuff that's like, it's cellular, right? This is yes. stuff that's deep inside of us that, you know, like, you know, one of my, my favorite examples of, of the Vegas theory kind of in nature is when you see like a lion chasing a gazelle. Yes. Right. And that gazelle's running his little, little, little ass off, right. Yeah. Skirting left, skirting right, doubling back. That lion's just chasing after that little guy. Right. All of a sudden gazelle gets away. The lion's like, fuck, I'm going to be hungry today. <laughs> and the gazelle gets to a place where they're safe. And the gazelle doesn't lament about, oh my God, I almost got eaten by a fucking lion. It shakes. It says, all right, yeah. cool. Shakes yeah, like a dog shake who's just getting out of the pond, right? Yeah. And then it just trots off and becomes a fucking gazelle again. Wow. Right? That's and it's, awesome. It's that that moment of like, okay, I've got this built up energy inside of me because I almost fucking died, right? Mm-hmm. That was traumatic. Yep. 
But I can't just lament in that, right? I got I to gotta continue on. I got to graze. I probably got you know, little calves to feed, if that's what little antelopes are called. I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> so it's like it doesn't have that time. So it just has to, you know, it, it shakes it off. It releases that energy. And then it's like, cool, all right, I'm going to go graze and do some shit, right? Yeah. And, it, you know, I've, I've tried to do that stuff with, like, my kids, right? My kid, uh, two years ago, we were camping. And, you know, there's not poisonous snakes up in Washington. But snakes are still scary. Right. We're still scared of snakes, spiders, all that shit. And we were by the water, and this little water snake just like slithers in front of her. She was 10 at the time, and she froze. She went into that freeze, right? Her mm-hmm. whole body shut down. She started shaking, and then she started crying. And I'm like, okay. And I didn't see what happened. I was a little bit in front of her. And so finally, I'm like, I noticed she wasn't behind me. And I'm like, oh my God, she's petrified. Went and grabbed her. What happened? She said, snake. I'm like, okay. Okay, cool. Let's breathe. Let's breathe. Let's breathe. Got her arms, kind of shaking her arms a little bit, yep. you know, trying to get some looseness. Energy. And I'm like, all right, now this might sound weird, but I want you just to jump up and down and shake your hands. And she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to look like an idiot. I'm like, okay, you can either look like an idiot, which you think is an idiot, or you can release some of this energy yeah. that you built up. Yeah. One or the other, right? Mm-hmm. So nobody's around. I'll turn around, close my eyes. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just jump up and down and shake your hands real quick? And when she finally got to that point, she finally got to the acceptance of doing this, it made her feel stupid in her yeah, eyes, right? Yeah, yeah. But it also brought that like kind of joy back. And she yeah. was like, oh, okay, you know, and just started laughing a little yeah. bit. And then we shook it off and walked away. Yeah. Right? But, you know, if, like, real if, thing. if we can really, like, teach this shit, you know, from a young yes. age, you know, so it doesn't seem weird. It's yes. just part of nature. No, yeah. I remember um, the first time I was in a session with Marianne Ames mm-hmm. and um, – I was just going through, you know, it was a Reiki healing session and I, and I started kind of kicking my legs and she's like, okay, good. Yeah. That's the energy moving through. And then, you know, that was like right around the time I started processing so much different Mm -hmm. trauma and, uh, and like, you know, now there have been several times since where I'm just like, you know, you're just like kicking and screaming and literally, you know, and, and so like, I think trying to restrain ourselves from that, what it does is it keeps the, the trauma stuck in our bodies, you know, right. like, um, the untethered soul, um, mm. Mike Singer, like Michael Singer, um, you know, it doesn't, it, we don't allow it to move through because we're sort of fighting it and then it just gets trapped. Yeah. Um, so, um, so the, so it was actually a trauma. I had a lot of birth trauma and that's what really got me into studying, mm. um, polyvagal theory. Um, I had found yoga you know, uh, more seriously, I guess when bliss opened, you know, like that was when I like first started actually being a member of a studio. And, um, actually I was in Monica's, uh, class, uh, a little ways in and she talked about manifesting and encouraged us to manifest. And I had been, um, experiencing infertility for like five years and Mm. just like really, really wanting, um, a child and, but the, the chances of me and my now ex-husband, um, were really slim just for medical reasons. And, um, but she talked, talked about like, um, saying something as if it's true. And I just said, I am a mother. And it was so hard to say, like, you know, because I'm like, there's still this thing about me that I think I grew up with this notion of God that like, I needed to be wholly devoted to him. And he would like, do what was best for me regardless of what I wanted. Right. Gotcha. Yep. You know? And so it was like, man, I don't, I don't want to just claim this. Cause like, what if he lets me down again? Right. But I did it. And then it was not for quite a while later till I realized like, Oh shit, I got pregnant like 
right after that. Really? I did, because it was right after a, the, the 30 classes in 45 days, the first one we did. Okay. And so it was just all around that time. And so I was like, oh, yeah, Bliss opened like um, March 2018. Yep. I got pregnant in June 2018. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and then my son, Zach, was born March um, 2019. So I was like, all right. oh, shit. Yeah, that is the timeline. Like literally started doing yoga. Um, you know, and I think that being healthy has to do with it, but literally I'm like, no, I think that was the first time that, um, or actually it was the second time. Cause I actually did a similar thing about getting into grad school. I'm like, this is what I want. Yeah. Um, and I just happened to be at a sermon, you know, cause I was a Christian at the time. And they said like, it's okay to tell God like what you actually want. I'm like, but man, it, I just felt so let down so many times, right. um, but I did it. And then I did get into the school that I wanted. And then, and then I manifested my son and, um, yeah. You know, sometimes we got to state what we want. You know, we, we, you know, to your point, sometimes, you know, we might be of the culture that, you know, some divine plan is put out for us and we just need to follow that plan. Yeah. And that's fine, you know, but there's also like the art of manifestation, like you talked about, yeah. you know, the, um, and there's these ways that where we can manifest the things that we feel will benefit us in life. Right. And, well, again, and you know, if, if we're benefiting in life, then that could be that divine creator's you know, process also. It's like, oh, cool. They found out how to bring things into their life. Good for them. Yeah. Good for you. Good, good, Christine. <laughs> Look at you go. You got no, a job. Exactly. You got a baby now. You know, you're doing things, right? Yeah. It's the, well, and now I realize it's the divine in me. So the model yeah. that I grew up with like this, that I'm the child that doesn't know anything. God's the father that knows everything, you know, and uh, he's going to spit me out and burn me if I, if I misstep. Right. Now it's like, you know, my the source tells me like, no, you are divine. Like, yeah. so you and I, we actually experience the same things and, and we can be in, in complete union. That change that just that mental change just, just gives so much relief to people when they finally realize oh, yeah, it, you huge. know? <laughs> and, you know, I mean, growing up in the eighties and nineties, I'm not sure how old you are. You don't have to say, but like, you know, I was towards the back end of that fire and brimstone age of like, you if you don't follow these rules, you're going to fucking burn in hell. You're yeah. going to get stabbed in the ass with pitchforks, salt and lava, all this crap. You're just going to be miserable for eternity because you watched porn, right? Mm -hmm. Or something. Yeah, something no, that anything. goes against that, you right? You had sex when you were 16. Exactly, you are the devil. Right? <laughs> Shit, I was a drug dealer for five years. I'm like, I'm, yeah. I've got sulfur front property in hell in that book, you know? Yeah. And so, but just understanding that, you know, like... And that what, that's what turned me off of religion for so long. And this isn't a talk about religion. I'm just going to say this real quick. But the whole idea of me having to grovel on my hands and yeah. knees towards some bearded fucker to say like, hey, I'm sorry. Please let me back into your kingdom. That right. seems like a fucking joke anyways. Right. Like, I don't like that. Right. Yeah. But the idea that there's this this energy around me that's holding me like a baby yeah. and that everything that I do is perfect yeah, no matter what it is. Yeah, that literally delights like we delight in our children. I didn't understand that. Yeah. I didn't really feel like my parents had the capacity to delight in me, so mm. I never really experienced it. Gotcha. So that's part of being a mother. It's like, I'm like, I've been doing some internal family systems therapy just on myself and, and with, you know, um, a therapist for a little while, but then I decided that I could just do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, you know, I'm like looking at my son in, in my mind and just thinking, wait a second, am I that beautiful? Like, mm. you know, like never, you know, letting those kinds of thoughts in until, you know, really starting to understand a, you know, a mother's love for her child. Right. Um, but anyway, so, I, I got pregnant, thankfully, thanks to Monica. Thank God for Adam and Monica. Um, but uh, then when my son was born, um, 
it was very traumatic. I, I uh, ended up having an emergency C-section. Mm. Um, I really, really, really wanted to, you know, have a vaginal birth. And then uh, when he was born, they had to rip him right away from me because he wasn't breathing. Okay. Um, and so it was like, I don't even know how long, 30 seconds. Like, I know his brain didn't ever lose any oxygen. Okay. Um, and he's a little brilliant little child. Um if I do say so myself, but people tell me so. Um, but anyway, so it turned out okay, but it was the longest, however many seconds of my life. Right. So I'm looking at him. He, he looks completely lifeless. He's like almost like just yellow, like there. And, uh, and I'm thinking this can't be the end of the story. This can't be like my miracle cannot end right here and now, you know, but I was so afraid that it would. Mm. And so he, um, he finally breathed and cried and, but even my sister came and showed me a picture, um, of him and I, it just broke my heart to see him crying. Like I just mm. felt the, I, when I see crying, like I can't watch crying babies and I like, I'm like, this is not funny because I see the anguish of the crying. Right. Yeah. And so I just saw the anguish and then, and then we went back to my room and then uh, my ex-husband was like, do you want me to be with you or him? And I said, uh, I just had to make all these decisions, even though I'm totally sleep deprived, you know, all of these yeah. things. And I'm like, uh, him, you know, and, uh, but then he came back and he said, well, they think they, he has a hole in his lung. He has a lot of air in his chest. And at that point, that was the moment where I'm like, I'm going to go to sleep. Yeah. I just, there's nothing else I can do. I'm going to go to sleep. Yeah. And my ex-husband had actually like let people know that the baby was born. So people were starting to text me like, congratulations. And I wanted to punch every single one of them i was like i am not a fucking mother do not tell me that i do not have a son right um and that's how i and i didn't realize until i was reading this trauma focused yoga book that i now use for my stuff that i was in dorsal vagal shutdown and it's the biggest blessing that's ever come my way because now every time someone's like i don't understand why i feel like this this isn't me you know um i'm like yeah trust me like i'm the most loving person in the world and I didn't feel connected to my own fucking son right. for 24 hours, you yeah. know, um, or well, technically like five, but then it was nice because, and then like looking back on the story, I realized then the, the pediatric, um, NICU, um, doctor came in and she said, he really is doing better. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get him off his oxygen. And then my OB actually happened to come in at the same time. And she was talking to me and I like, again, it was that ventral vagal, right? I had the safety of other humans telling me it was going to be okay. Right. And, um, and then a nurse actually helped me like start nursing without my baby. Cause then, you know, you have to start like lactating basically mm-hmm. right away or you're, you're going to lose it. And so it was all just like, this is way different from what I ever wanted, but like, thank God for the, it's just this like collective of people around me yeah so then at that point i had been asleep for about five hours i said i want to go see my baby now and uh they're like okay do you think you can get up i'm like yeah i've known the whole time i can get up i was just saying that i didn't want to you know because i thought my baby was gonna die right right? yeah and so then um they wheeled me in and i was with them for like 20 minutes it was funny because right when i saw him i was like I don't have any idea. Like to me, he kind of looked like Gonzo. Like, like I was just like, <laughs> whose child is this? Like, you know, now you're like, oh yeah, that's her, you know, that's Tina's kid for yeah, sure. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, no, that he didn't look like it. And I was just like, and he, you know, he's hooked up to all these things. I can barely touch him, but I just kind of held his hand and mm. I was like, what do I do? How do I, how do I, what would a mom do? Right. Cause I'm just, I'm just in total shutdown. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he knows my voice. 
And so then I just started saying like, you know, your daddy and I love you. We waited for you. We love you so much. And, um, but it was funny cause I only sat there for about 15 minutes and I was just saying the words, still not feeling the feelings, right. you know? And then that I said, okay, I'm going to go back like 20 minutes later. And the nurse, she looked at me like, Oh, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, never mind. I'll stay. Like, yeah. <laughs> cause I felt ashamed, you know, right, and I'm yeah. like, well, thanks. You know, sometimes a little shame does do us a little good because, because then I ended up spending several hours with him and yeah. just kind of really starting to connect. And then, you know, finally got to nurse him for the first time at about 36 hours. Mm. And then, you know, but then the first time I got to nurse him without all of the stuff that, cause he had a actual, um, thing through to his heart. So if, if we accidentally pulled it, um, it would kill him. Um, and so wow. I could not hold him. There was yeah. no, it's like, it's the, the risk is too high. So right. when he finally got that out, he had the other ones in his belly button. Um, so I still had to be careful, but I could hold him. But then, you know, I'm like trying to nurse yeah. for the first time. There was one night where he just, like, I thought I was nursing him and then he just had milk all over the side oh, of his face. Buddy. And I like, I went back to bed and then I would, you know, you have to pump right after yeah. and, but my ex-husband was asleep and I couldn't get his attention. So then I lost the milk and it was just like the worst freaking night of my life. But then thankfully when all of his, the first morning that all of his tubes were gone, I was able to like hold him and nurse him. And I finally got to hold him on mm, my chest yeah. and there was, there was, you know, it was three or four days later, but I was like, there it is. Yeah. Like I just knew. And, you know, and my ex-husband was like, oh my God, this is precious. I, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Like, cause he's like, I'm like, what does it look like? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and he's like, his face is just like so content. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, he knows that he's home too. He feels you know? safe. Um, yeah. So, wow. but I, that was a really, really fucking traumatic thing, yeah. you know? Well, you mentioned, you, you said that the, the being in the dorsal vagal kind of mode helped you right in those moments. Um, yeah. So how do you, how do you kind of mean, yeah. Explain to me how well, that. So yeah. So it, it turns out I didn't feel like it hurt me. I, I helped me. I felt ashamed, but, but when I found out what dorsal vagal collapse is, is it keeps us alive. It shuts down everything except for the things necessary to keep us alive. Right. And so it did help me quite a bit because all of a sudden I felt seen and understood mm, okay. and I, and I saw and understood myself like, Oh, like, because I, before that I would have been too ashamed to even tell you that I was thinking I'm not a mother. I don't have a son, you know, like yeah. I love this child more than anything in the entire universe, you know? And yet, I didn't yeah. for the first, you know, or I didn't feel it for the first little bit. And so the reason it helps me now is during, you know, when people are having panic, um, or, you know, especially when they've been having panic and then they're just like numb, you know, I've had clients just come in and say like, I just, I feel nothing. Yeah. And, and Deb Dana talks about that too, which is really nice because now instead of just saying, well, that's called clinical depression, which it is, but it's also a, a, a term that we just made up, right, to describe a list of symptoms. We can say, so your nervous system actually has been fighting for you so much that it's saying, we just gotta, we just gotta survive right now. Right. And you don't, you don't get to feel all the th human things when you're surviving, <laughs> yep. you know? Yep. Um, and so just normalizing that for people, normalizing it for myself, um, you know, just, you know, with trauma, you had said, um, you got to shake it off. 
So the thing about PTSD, when post-traumatic stress disorder, when people go through a trauma and then experience acute symptoms, you know, the re-experiencing, the unwanted, you know, attempts to avoid even thinking about the trauma, you know, these right. things. They they say that uh, in in the body keeps the score, it talks about how that happens far more often when people experience a trauma and can't do anything about it. Right. right. And so when people experience a trauma and feel like they can do at least something, right. I can tell my story. I can, you know, I really had to work pretty hard. My son was just too, too important to me to develop post-traumatic stress disorder right, over it. Yeah. You know, like I'm like, I've got to work on my trauma narrative and, um, and that's what I did. And I'm trying to write a book kind of about all of that journey because, you know, going back to yoga, I would be in my safe place and the anxiety would come up mm -hmm. and it was actually not even like sadness it was fear i was re-experiencing the fear of him being ripped out of my body right and then i would just say he's here now and i would be surrounded by the collective so now i know that i was able to go back to that place only because my ventral vagal you know system right the um was activated yeah yeah there's a there's a book i'm reading right now about three quarters of the way through it's called why we sleep and the author's escaping me to believe it's a young lady that wrote it but um they're talking about some of the correlation they're finding between PTSD and, and those those nightmares that people experience, yeah. right? Yeah. Whether it's, you know, veterans or extreme sexual traumas or things like that. But, you know, when you close your eyes, all of a sudden those traumas just appear right back in front of you and then you can't sleep. So, you know, some of the science they're figuring out is that, you know, when we sleep, our body, uh, the dream state, the REM sleep that we go in about two cycles, depending on how often you or how long you sleep. But they talk about how in those REM sleeps, you know, when we dream, the body puts our mind puts ourselves in different scenarios surrounding yeah. the traumas that we've experienced throughout that day before or some residuals but they give it to us in these different ways that we can experience it so we can start to process it we can be our own therapist more or less yeah, right yeah. and so in those extreme ptsd moments um, our adrenal glands are starting to release too much uh, or excessive norepinephrine basically oh. testosterone into the brain which keeps those those memories the way they happen front of mind. It doesn't allow you to get into those deep REM and non-REM sleeps because basically you're playing a movie in front of you yeah. with the trauma. So what they're doing now is actually they found a blood pressure drug that inadvertently lowers the norepinephrine in your brain as a side effect of the blood pressure medicine it was nice. supposed to. It, start, it starts with a P. I can't remember I was it. like, I need to know what that yeah, is. I I'll try to find people it for that you. can benefit from that. <laughs> Definitely. But one of the other ones that, that people are, are doing some research on is ashwagandha. Because ashwagandha is one of those adrenal gland lowering kind oh, of medicines. Okay. And the, the caveat with that is sometimes ashwagandha um, gives people energies. You know, right. So That's if you take I, it yeah. right before bed, you might be wired, you mm -hmm. know. Um, but you know, it's that it's, it's beautiful to start to get the science behind. Okay, cool. We're Absolutely. seeing excess norepinephrine in the brain. How do we reduce that? So we can let you get into REM sleep so you can psychologically basically heal yourself. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And that is what I love about the science and the practices, because honestly, it, it helps me realize how much we don't know. Mm. Right. Like, like, because when, as I think as humans, at least me, when I'm experiencing a thought, like you know, this person really is very angry at me, or I really cannot put a boundary down right now because, you know, they're going to hurt me or, or whatever. I think that that's just because that's true. Right. But 
it is trauma, but it's also what's happening in my brain at the time. And that's, I think, why psychedelics and stuff are starting to be used because they they downregulate the nervous system. Right. Yeah. And so now every every drug addict, I'm like, oh, I get it. Like, why would you want to be miserable, you know, if you could feel what it feels like to be loved right. because of a chemical, right? And yes. and it unfortunately, there's like major consequences of that. But I, I was even in my trauma yoga group a few weeks ago and I'm like, I'm like, okay, I feel high, but that's only because meditation is like that, you know? <laughs> and they're just kind of like, they think I'm very quirky, but whatever. Well, I love the quote I heard a while back, and I can't remember who said it, but basically it's, uh, we never really see the world. We see the world through our nervous system. Absolutely. You know, and that's how we experience it. So if you're, if you're like, say, take all of your five natural senses we have, you know, sight, smell, touch, you know, taste, and let's say all those work fine, right? All of our five senses work perfect. But they're still being processed through our consciousness. Yep. And so if I'm if I'm sitting across from you and I'm in a state of fight or flight, you know my my sympathetic nervous system is on fire right now. Right. No matter how safe this environment is or how kind you're speaking to me, I feel like I'm being attacked. Right. Right. And and so no matter how good your senses feel, if your consciousness isn't processing that in a good way, then you're always going to be in that fight or flight mm-hmm. or in that sense of like, oh shit, things mm-hmm. aren't right. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's it's really finding these ways to work within our bodies, to yeah. work within our nervous systems, and to understand. And and you know, one of the things that really kind of frustrated me about the dorsal uh, idea with the polyvagal theory, but also was inspiring, was. One, the, 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 the thing that was hard for me to understand is that your body's going to put you in a depressive state. It's like, hey, you know what? Yeah, Power down. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no questions, no choice. You're just, yeah. you're down here. And I'm like, why the fuck would you do that? That would piss so many, that, that would, if, if I was a depressive person and, you know, I, for some reason thought it was external, right? There's things yeah. happening around me. Maybe it's my body chemistry, whatever it is, but there's something happening to me externally. When I read this and I realized that your body can be like, hey, no, we're doing what's best for you by putting you. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I feel like shit. If this is what's best for me, then I don't think this is best for me. Right. But the person that kind of explained it to me, my buddy Chris, was like, okay, well, think if you're you're like an eight-year-old child. And you're an abusive, an, an abusive mm-hmm. family, right? And mm-hmm. you're just getting, you're the punching bag of that family, literally. Mm-hmm. But you're also not going to back down because for whatever reason, you got a strong personality. And you're like, you think that hurts, dad? You yeah. know, you're one of those like talk back kind of kids. Your body will put yourself in that dorsal vagal kind of uh, moment to because to save your life, right? Yeah, you're that's... not strong enough to fight this. You need to reserve your energies. Like just be okay being like not vocal right now. Right. right? And then once you feel safe, we'll reactivate and then we'll be humans again. Yeah. That's really interesting because that's, that's like, I'm such an internalizer that I see it the same way, but like, as if like my body shut down my emotions so that I wouldn't have to feel the feeling of being Mm, harmed by someone who loves me. Right. And so with internal family systems therapy is I might need to be on another podcast to describe <laughs> all that, but it talks about how we all have this self energy. And what's really nice is it's, it's like trans, like religious and, and everything. So you could have self energy that you don't think of as divine, right? Or you can think of self energy as any sort of divine, right? But what it is, is that you, you kind of have compa- 
compassion and creativity and you um like you you know your best parent moment yep. um is is how that self feels and and i and i believe it's soul and i loved when you and camel were talking about how ego sometimes poses as soul um, <laughs> that in, little whisper yeah <laughs> and so in internal family systems they would call that a self-like part so like mm. it's kind of tricking you but they also say there's no bad parts because all of them are trailheads back. You know, you, you guys talked too about a portal, right? A pain right. portal. And that's what I now always call them. Like, and once you start really doing the work in a safe place inside your body, it's really weird because you're like, oh, you know, you, you get triggered for a moment, right? And then you're like, oh, but this is a portal. Hmm, let's go through this portal. Right. You know? And yes. then it's like, wow, didn't know that was there. And I even told my group the other day, like, you know, healing is not like a one and done. And I'm like, which pisses me off sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, it is what it is. And, yeah. and so just kind of helping them understand that they're a work in progress and everything. But yeah, the thing about yoga is it actually, so, so it actually increases that relationship with oneself by creating vagal tone. Hmm. And so there's a thing called heart rate variability. Okay. And so that is like the measure of your out breath to your in breath. Out breaths activate the parasympathetic nervous system. Okay. In breaths activate the sympathetic nervous system. So people with PTSD, um, those are very uneven. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, their, their in breaths are far more. And so even when I teach breathing now, because it was what helped me like for the longest time, like every time you guys would tell us to breathe in at the beginning of class, I'm like, Oh damn it. Like, because I was like sucking in air, you right, know? Yeah. And then finally I realized, okay, what just happens when I literally very slowly allow my lungs to fill. Right. And it's a different feeling and you don't cut your throat off like that, you know, like, and you don't gasp ever. Right. And it, it doesn't create the, the intense feeling in your chest. But I think people don't, understand that so then you're having a panic attack and trying to deep breathe and all you're doing is sucking in more air and making yourself more anxious yeah and so when you practice you know meditation breathing yoga linking breath with movement all of it um even if you're not actually you know verbally processing trauma all of it just increases your ability to move easily between sympathetic and parasympathetic. So mm -hmm. then when I'm really triggered, I actually have access to the other side. It never means that you're not going to be triggered. You know, it never means that it's all going to go away. Deb Dana even says this. She just says, it just means you're going to bounce back faster and faster and right. faster, yeah. right? You're going to be able to, and I really do. That's kind of why I bring up yin and yang or, you know, masculine, feminine, um, spiritual, practical, because it really feels like you're bringing it's parasympathetic sympathetic and you're you're bringing your body back into a, a relationship with itself yeah and that's i mean you you said just before you started that tangent was uh you know about the ego and how everything is integrated and, and that's i mean that's such a beautiful statement because that and that goes along with all this like there's nothing there's no part of us that's wrong right, right? uh it's just like you know and if we if like i have adhd or if i have autism or something like that like i'm still I, this is the way I am, right? Yeah. This, there's nothing wrong with that, right? These are these tools that I was given to present in this world. How do I utilize them and look at them as things that they're beneficial and not things that are detrimental? Because I think, you know, like a lot of what the polyvagal theory kind of talks about is how we speak to ourselves too. And if we're constantly being told that we're wrong because we have something that we were born with, what does that do to you? You right. keep dialing into that wrongness yeah. that you, that you're being told, but yep. you know, there's a, there's a, uh, Oh gosh, what's his name? Dr. Mark Gaffney, I think it is, but talks about like indigenous times, how 
you know, everybody is embraced as they're born, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have what was considered ADHD, you would be the hunter and gatherer because you can track anything and you can pay attention to all the details of those things. If you were born with what we consider anxiety, you're the fucking lookout because you can see that leaf move a mile away (laughs) and be like, I see somebody. Absolutely. You know, so nobody's born wrong. You know, even people born with, uh, with uh, multiple genders within them, they're the two spirits. Yeah, the two spirits. I was just thinking that when you said that, I'm like, yeah. And what a difference different world we would have if we did embrace those things instead of saying that's different that's wrong right you know and even when you said like so so I had my birth trauma but I just have a lot of religious trauma that I'm starting to unpack um and and really I was doing a meditation on um New Year's Eve actually at Dragonfly Fields Mm. um and uh she had us go into a cave and um me, I think she called it him Eek or something, okay. the, um, but basically source. And uh, I just asked, I said, why am I so afraid? Why was I always so afraid? And he, and he just said, because you thought I was going to burn you. Mm. And so just realizing like, wow, like when we do raise children, I mean, and no offense to people who, who do that, <laughs> but you know, when we do raise children to believe that they're going to go to hell if they lie or, you know, like I asked Jesus to save me like over and over and over again. And because I was so terrified, right? right? Yeah. I was just, you know, even when I went skydiving way later when I was in my twenties, I was like, not necessarily afraid, but I of dying, but I was afraid of going to hell. So the whole way up, I'm just like praying for forgiveness and, you know, all this stuff, just like this, this terrified way of being. Right. Um, and so it's really interesting because when I'm realizing that just the entire worldview of I'm bad and need to be saved is extremely destructive. Yeah. And, and I don't think it's true anymore. Yeah, no, not at all. And I think, you know, that's, that's what I think pushes some people towards these, what may have been considered esoteric practices, maybe now more common practices like yoga, meditation, things like that, because we, we can hear that scream inside of us that just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense anymore. It's like that first rational scream we've ever heard being like, no, 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 no. Hey, this shit is wrong, right? I'm not imperfect. I'm not broken. I'm not anything but perfect and beautiful. And once I can realize that, like you were saying earlier, you know, sometimes we start saying things that we don't believe. <clears throat> that's the impetus for the belief, right? right? I can't tell you how many times I told myself, looked at myself in the mirror, in the eyes and said, I love you. I yeah. love you. I love you. I mm-hmm. love you. And at the same time, like, I fucking don't. Yeah. I fucking don't. But yes. I do. And yes. after about years of time, I start to believe it, right? We absolutely do, yeah. And we know that that's true down deep. It just takes some time to get through some of the shit that we've just been conditioned to. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So with with yoga for trauma, like, so what? How how is that linked? Is it is it? You talked about breath a little bit. Are there movement postures that can help release traumas and things yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. So so because as of this point, I'm not actually a, a certified yoga instructor, but what I use is a book um, by Spence. Uh, why can't I remember her first name right now? But it's called Trauma Informed Yoga, mm-hmm. um, and it's from 2021 um, by something Spence. I can't remember her first name right now. Um, but she wrote it for therapists. Cool. And okay. and like again, she was the one who wrote that background and and really summarized Porges's um, polyvagal theory and um, and then said, here's how we can apply this. But but really, truly, the the biggest thing about creating vagal tone is the linking breath with movement. Yes. Um, 
I was going to just have a yoga group as a therapist in a prison. Turns out that they're like, yeah, no, you're not going to do that. You need to write a curriculum <laughs> that actually proves to us that this is mental health treatment. And I'm like, if only you understood yeah. that it really truly is. I promise you it is. <laughs> but so I just wrote it and I, I just talked about the evidence base and yeah. I said like, this is actually where it's at. Um, and really, truly, I feel like even what, right before I got divorced, I realized like, oh my gosh, my body healed me from all that trauma. Like I didn't know what was happening when I was practicing yoga, but it was like all of a sudden I had strength that I didn't have hmm. before. Right. Like all of a sudden there was a voice that welled up inside of me that said, I deserve love. Right. Never before. Right. I deserve compassion. I was able to start practicing in earnest self-compassion exercises. And again, yeah, you're like, uh, what am I doing? And then yeah. it just become it starts to become like you remind yourself, okay, yes. What, do, what is it that you need me to know? Like yeah. what's going on? Um, and so that's all part of that yoga journey. So what I did was I wrote the background of the evidence base and then also used, um, Spence's book and did like three or four, um, exercises in each session. I wrote a 12 session group protocol Cool. and then, and then have like some information. So I talked to them about bilateral stimulation because in the book, there's some that um, it's, there's like one exercise, for example, called tapping across the midline. And so you're doing twists, you know, much like you would do, you know, in any yoga or especially Kundalini, you don't know, like mm -hmm. moving your spine. But what that does is if like, if you're kind of going back and forth, back and forth, it, it activates both sides of your brain, okay. which um, again, like, I think that there's something, that's why there's something to the right and the left. I'm like, you, you literally feel it if, if you're tapped in. And, and I really just feel like there's a unity of the truth that's come from such different areas and traditions and whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so bilateral stimulation is very healing and helpful for trauma. There's, that's what EMDR does. Yeah. And there's, there's something with sound healing with bilateral stimulation also. And it's, um, it's the, uh, the, the idea of dissonance. Right. And so, uh, our brain loves patterns, right? So when mm -hmm. we play harmonics, like a C and a, a C and an F, right? A C and an F make a third tone. It, it sounds good together. Our mm -hmm. brain recognizes that as a pattern. It's like, cool, yeah. beautiful. We're going to marinate in that for a little bit. Yeah. But when there's dissonance, like when there's just a hair off of the frequencies, so they don't match, let's say it's a, like an F and a C sharp. When you play those together, you get that one, 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 you know, somebody's like driving down the freeway and somebody just got one ro window rolled down yeah, a little yeah, bit. And yeah, it's like, yeah, just annoying as shit. Yeah. I hate that. But that's, that's that same idea, right? Because the hemispheres of the brain start to fight over who hears it, right? Oh, I hear it. No, I hear it. No, I hear it. No, I hear it. And eventually they're like, why are we fighting? We both hear what we hear. Everything's fine. And through that, that, that dissonance and that back and forth, it creates the harmony because Absolutely. it brings us into the present moment because Absolutely. there's not a pattern yeah, that we cool. have to rationalize what's really happening. Yeah. And then we're like, that's eh, fine. Whatever. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's awesome. And so then I, the other topic that I talked to them just is about grounding. So with PTSD, um, grounding techniques are kind of, you know, the first thing, right? Um, right. Especially because some people think that in order to face their trauma and PTSD, they have to go you know, into a therapist's office and just be miserable and right. flooded with everything. I don't do my work like that at all. Um, and, I, and I think the evidence base has caught up with, we actually don't need to say some of it out loud. I mean, I think eventually you do in the context of a lot of safety, right. but what I always try to do even individually, cause I do a lot of individual therapy and I might do a meditation exercise in there. Um, but that's more of my transmutation ability and like, okay, let's talk about the pain and let's turn it into light. Right. Yeah, let's let's, let's really do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
but so I, I talk about self-compassion. So then in the curriculum, I noticed like there's this one exercise called hand on heart, hand on belly. And so you just like are really like attending to your heart beating. Mm -hmm. Right. And she even says like, maybe you could even feel it or hear it, you know? And it's like, but that she says, it's okay if you don't, you have to be in a pretty still quiet place to do that. And so then when I'm in my meditation and I can hear it, I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's so cool. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, because it's not, you know, you do have to be very, very still. Yes. Um, and then, and then down to your belly and just about like, just how your body works for you. And then, and then the, the, it, cause it's all scripted. So it's nice. Cause I can, when I wrote the curriculum, it then went out to all of the mental health providers mm. in Washington Department of Corrections, so they could all do my group now at the different places. Oh, beautiful. Um, yeah, so that was the kind of good thing about them making me do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, so, but that technique is also called self-compassion, and so there's Dr. Kristen Neff. Um, she has selfcompassion.org, um, and it's like just the best thing ever. She, she differentiates self-esteem, which mm. was another experiment with all of us and it didn't work. <laughs> we yeah. just, we just either thought we were better or worse than everybody else. Okay. Right? Right. <laughs> um, depending on what was going on, but like self-compassion really is a more unified, like all humans suffer Yeah. and we can tell ourselves, like she even says like, and I, I made my uh, group of guys who are in prison do this once, um, where I'm like, okay, I just want you to like put your hands on your heart. Like, close your eyes and internally say, oh, honey, Aww. I'm so sorry that you're hurting, right? Wow. And uh, that's what, like, real self-compassion is about. And um, yeah. so, yeah, like, as far as future, I would really love to take that and then, like, do a yin yoga class where I'm very intentionally adding in um, self-compassion meditation. In yeah. fact, we could probably do that now if you wanted to team up. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm like, that's that a workshop looks. waiting to happen. Hell yeah. Um, but, uh, there's a, there's something with that, that in, in, you know, this, this wasn't clear to me when I either first started practicing or even teaching yoga. It was something with the past few years that kind of hit me. Um, I think maybe when I started doing energy work and working with more individuals and it's, it talks a lot to, I mean, what you're speaking to right now and it's through, you know, let's, let's take yoga postures, right? Let's take a like camel pose, right? So if you're familiar with camel or not, it's basically a kneeling back bend. You're on your knees, hip distance, hands at your low back for support and you lift your chest and drop your head back. Right. And I can't tell you like thousands of times I've done that shape before it finally hit me that when I'm supporting myself, my hands are on my back, right? I'm showing myself love. I'm showing myself, Hey dude, you're going to be okay. I've got you yeah. because we're so disassociated from our bodies. Mm -hmm. At least I was right. Yeah. And, and, and it, the body was just a machine that got me from here to there. I fed it every once in a while. I treated it like shit for a very long time. Same. <laughs> um, it was just a vessel. I, yeah. I was all heady, right? I didn't pay attention to anything. And even, even being raised in uh, in the South, you know, the, the, the intuition was never talked about except trust your gut. Outside of that, we never listened to our bodies unless it was broken in some kind of way. Right. Right. And Absolutely. so those shapes are, in my opinion, the connection back into you trusting your body. Mm -hmm. You're creating that trust. You're basically, you're putting your hands on your Absolutely. back saying, Hey, Adam, yeah. I have you, Adam. Yeah. I love you and I'm not going to let you fall. Mm -hmm. And if we start to feel a little queasy, guess what? I'm going to push you back up because I've got you. Yes. Right? I'm listening to you. Yes. yes. And that's how, that's part of the self-compassion that's gone into my meditation. Like, you know, all, all of a sudden notice that I'm like, you know, rubbing the side of my face. Mm. And so 
attending to it and then saying, okay, so what does the side of my face feel like? If I focus on how that feels instead of my fingers, right? Then I like, I'm really receiving that love so much instead of just giving it, right? And, Mm -hmm. And you start to like literally feel that you are both the lover and the beloved, right? Yeah. Um, and and you always have that. And therefore, you always have access to your ventral vagal system, whether you're in silence, you know, and away from the collective or whether you, you know, physically or whether you're there. Um, but I also think like it's both and, right? We can have yeah. relationships with ourselves, but, you know, we die if we don't have relationships with each other too. So there's an interdependence for sure, yeah. you know? yeah. Well, it's kind of that bodhisattva idea, right? Where you, the bodhisattva idea is basically like, you know, Buddha, for example, Buddha found enlightenment and was like, cool. Hey, there's this place called Nirvana. It's beautiful. I could hang out here, but there's also all these people that are miserable back there that probably need some help. So I'm going to go back there and like show them how I got here. Right. right? And that's the bodhisattva idea is like, you realize there's something better. You've, you've attained it in some kind of way, whether it's the idea or actualization, but you decided to come back and help. Right. Yes. And I think that's where it is. You know, we, we all know that there's something maybe bigger than us, whether we physically know it or down deep. And once you get a, a, a glimpse of that and see the beauty and the wonder that that can hold, by no means am I on a soapbox saying, Hey, everybody look at me. I just found this. You should follow me. Sure. Right? No. Cause if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill the Buddha idea. Right. Yeah. But knowing that, you can share space with somebody else and, and maybe give some information to them on their path to help well, and, them find yeah. what their version of that is. And just allow the light to radiate outside yeah. of you, right? Like, so to come alongside. Yeah. And that's, I think, where my passion for the work comes. Like, you know, it it, it truly did, you know, um, people sometimes be like, well, aren't you kind of weird if you're a psychologist? And I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> like, no, it, zero of us became psychologists because we weren't fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, no, that is true. And so I was looking for my own healing and I did, I didn't totally know that, but right. I was, and thankfully I've experienced a lot, but, um, it was funny cause I was just talking to my friend, um, you know, who are still Christians, but thankfully accept me and love me still. Yeah. Um, and I said, you know, my dad used to call me an evangelist and and uh, she said, she's like, well, you kind of are because you're constantly talking about joy and love and like healing. And, you know, it's really important to me to just speak truth, you know, to the wounded, right? Yeah. To the wounds themselves. And so, um, yeah, so that's what, how I know my life's purpose really mm. is to go into the dark places. And sometimes the dark places feel really freaking dark. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, but, they do. you know, the lighter I get and the more... Um, have you seen Barbie, the movie? Not yet. We almost oh went and saw gosh. it yesterday. I really want to see that, It's though. so good because there's this part where it was so much better than I thought. I was like, oh, fine. I'll go with my friend. I had no idea that it was going to be so profound. That's what I've but heard. at one point, yeah, the 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 each of the Barbie women are like basically reminding each other of who they are, right? Mm. And they're like, hey, you don't actually have to like serve these cocktails. Like you're actually a neuroscientist, right? Or whatever. And uh, you see them one by one waking up Mm. right and so it's a beautiful picture i think of the waking up and then even the men later they're like we were fighting because we forgot who we were yeah and i was like oh my god yes that is what happened right that we were we we all forgot who we were and so being able to kind of just remind people who they are i just had a guy yesterday because i'm probably going to be moving on from my current prison job to a different job within the department but um I haven't gotten my final offer, but apparently it's promising. Uh-huh. But uh, anyway, so I, I wanted to give my group the heads up so that we have time to process that. And uh, 
and he is in for murder and have really, really, really struggles and has been there for years and years and years. And he just said, like, um, I just don't understand why people like you come here to, to, to see people like us. I'm like, uh, no, like people, you mean human beings just like me? And like, and I truly believe that, like, yeah. you know, and in some ways it gets me in trouble because, you know, um, I've been you know, so loving that I've allowed people to hurt me. Hmm. And so, you know, now I'm kind of learning that boundaries are love too. And like, how do you do that? But I just, you know, I was just telling a friend, I'm like, I just can't hate anyone, even a murderer sitting across from me or, you know, like, and I'm able to talk to them about those things and how like being human really, really sucks. Yeah. It's hard. (laughs) Sometimes it's it's so hard. And that, you know, and you know, if you're a human that chooses to live a life where you're hurting people and don't care, then that's one thing. Yeah. But if you're a human who wants to feel human again, um, you know, that's, that's kind of another. Yeah. So. There's a, there's a gentleman named Charles Eisenstein, who's a pretty prolific author of our time and speaker. He's a, a, just an amazing guy. I think he's consulting on some of the president candidates, presidential candidacies, but, um, but he's written a bunch of books. One of the books he wrote was called, uh, the more beautiful mind our hearts know is possible. And at the very end, he wrote this short story basically. So you, you spoke of the word remembrance just now, mm-hmm. you know, we're remembering that yeah. we're beautiful humans. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this story that he wrote, and I think he's actually turned it into a short, short, like YouTube movie cartoon kind of thing. And I think he's expanding it to an actual novel. Uh, but the basis of it is there's a planet of shamans living about a million years past earth right and these planet of shamans you know they've kind of figured out life you know they've, they've definitely had their problems but they've kind of moved on and they figured it out how to coexist as humans and they they see earth in the peril that earth is in and they remember how hard it was for them so yeah. they said okay look we're going to send anybody that wants to volunteer to go to earth to help earth on their path the caveat is even though you're all shamans and you know the spirit, you know the connection, when you go through this portal, you're not going to know. You're yeah. not going to have any understanding that yeah. this was a thing. That's but you'll so have resonates. this deep, deep resonance to know that yeah. there's something bigger than what's being presented to you. Yeah. And slowly as you start to awaken to that idea, that remembrance, you start to gather more people and you're like, hey, remember, remember, we're, yeah. we're from this other place. We're here to help. Yeah. And this slow we're, we're awakening star mm-hmm. that starts to happen. And through that remembrance, we start to remember how beautiful we are as humans. We're not just the thoughts in our head. You know, we're not just these flesh suits. You know, we're divine beings that are mm-hmm. here for a reason. Whatever who that reason is, this? who knows? Exactly. And that's what I love. Like, I have a picture. I never... So when I was a Christian, I had so much death anxiety. Now mm. I'm like, oh my God, like I'm eternal. I'm not even worried about it. Like, yeah. and I like, I can see like these instances like that, that feel like memories. They're just kind of visions in my head, but of like, oh yeah, remember when we were there together? Remember, you know, you meet people whose souls you just resonate with. I met this one woman, Brooke, and, and she had said, talked about like, uh, she's a, a Reiki healer, light worker, and um, as am I, but I didn't know it. So yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> now I realize that. And so I'm excited to keep pursuing that more and more. But she, she said to me, she's like, I've never met someone who is so clearly in my soul line. Mm. Um, and I was like, Whoa, like, and it is like this, like line of like mothers. And we just, she and I just talked for an hour and a half about how it's the greatest pleasure or like the greatest privilege and the greatest burden to yeah. love somebody that much, you know? Um, yeah. and, so, but then I just did a card poll the other day, um, 
with my partner and we realized like that it was saying like you guys were in the very first group of people who came down to earth and that we keep doing it over and over and over again. And, you know, we talked to each other like, okay, let's not wait, you know, 39 (laughs) years next time. Um, you know, uh, I told him that he needs to, I'm like, I think I chose this one because I came here first. So, um, you need to choose that we're just going to be dandelions for at least one year. There you <laughs> go. Exactly. You know? <laughs> it's going to be dandelions in a field nobody can mow us over. Yeah. Like just, oh, just uh, let's not like, let's take a tiny little break. Um, swim around the air for a little while, yeah. you know, but I like, it just really feels true, Yeah. you know? And, yeah. um, and I just, it just makes my mission so much more like, it really feels like all of a sudden because of my awakening, I'm like, oh yes, I got through chapter, the first chapter. Now I get to live the rest of it where I do know who I am. Right. Um, and I am a person who was sent to be a light in the darkness. Like, there you go. and I, that will never go away from me. Um, and that, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. There's a, one more thing on remembrance that I love that this idea that I've been, you know, I've, I don't like beliefs. Beliefs get us in trouble. Sure. Ideas are malleable. We can sure. pivot with I ideas, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but the idea with, with reincarnation, um, I love the idea that, um, you know, let's say all of a sudden, like, I start playing the guitar and I'm like, Oh my God, like, it's not like it's easy, but it feels like it's coming to me and I'm getting it. Yeah. And then I get passionate yeah. about it. I, I feel like that's you remembering yep. what you've done in the past, mm-hmm. past lives, like mm-hmm. all these things that we're passionate about that make no sense at all. Mm-hmm. We, we end up finally remembering how all these things come to us. And then we figure out how those work together to present some kind of cool shit that we're a part of in this life. Yeah. Nobody can, nobody can put those ideas and those techniques and whatever it is that you're passionate about together, like your brain and your body can yeah. to present to this world. And I feel like those are some of those actualization moments that we have, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's Absolutely. like your, yeah. you found your purpose or it's like, this is my purpose for right now. Right. You know, we've actualized all the weird information in my brain to give something that's, that's beneficial to humanity. Yeah. Like, fuck yeah. We yeah. remembered. It's yes. awesome. Yeah. And I've always known that was like my mission. I've always been passionate about it, but now it's really cool because I have had so much more like the next level of spiritual awakening. Um, yeah where I really feel like a lot of the dark stuff I had trapped in my body, like moved its way out. And this was literally just like two or three days ago that mm. like the final little bit. Um, and that's kind of why I named my hopefully someday company, the deepest well holistic health, because I think of it as this, you know, like it's a cavern almost inside, right? Like I feel my deepest pain, like way down, like in my sacral chakra, you right, know, like yeah. it feels like it's just in the absolute epicenter of my body hidden away right and um so i i felt that move through me the other day and and it it was like with those like noises and Mm -hmm. my partner was with me i'm like what's that what what, what?" (laughs) like did you hear that that?" (laughs) (laughs) and he kept being like oh it was beautiful it's great you know that's great Um, you know we need those people that can hold space for us to do what's considered weird right now yeah you know it's like be weird be weird just experience your body experience your emotions yeah like like, just just do it because because really truly i couldn't have told him what is happening right right um, and so anyway, so yeah. it's just been really, really cool, but uh, sorry, I got on that. Um, but my point is that now that I've had that level of awakening, now I look back and everything else makes sense. Mm. Um, hmm. and it really is because my partner is my soulmate and we, and, and it's like, oh, the whole story makes sense now. Right. And I think of like, <laughs> I keep laughing because my very first crush was on a 
puppet named Iggy the Iguana. Oh, all right. In, in all Under right. the Umbrella Tree. Yeah. I can't believe I'm just telling the whole world that now. But he was an author, and I like he he always wrote these letters, and then I think I remember him saying like, "Oh, hold on, like." you know, he's writing a letter, somebody to that door, hold on. And then he'll go to the door, interact with that person, then come back like, okay, I'm back now, you know? And I just realized the other day, like it wasn't just that he was an author. Cause, cause I believe that I am too. I just, that's starting to awaken much more. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was that he was so present with both, right? He was so present in his writing and then so present at the door. Right. Yeah. And so like both of these things matter so much. And like, the, the connectedness to the person he was writing to, I think I just resonated with that of like, you don't have to be in the same room to love somebody. But then even like yeah. American Tale, like the... Oh, um, Five Goes West? Yeah. <gasps> I, couldn't, I couldn't even watch it so, for so long, but like the Somewhere Out There song. Oh, and now all of a me. sudden I can watch it because yeah. I realized I was singing to him and to this calling and to this like, I know there's more, right? Mm. And... Uh, yeah. I mean, it's the it's a very trippy thing, but it is what it is, you know. And yeah. so it's just very interesting now because now that I'm fully awake, I see all the synchronicities from before, okay. you know. Yeah. Um, whereas I, I always knew I was meant to be a light and a darkness, but I also carried a huge heavy burden. It doesn't feel like a burden anymore now. Right, because you integrated it. Yeah, you found the reason why like, it was there. Oh, and I'm and you know if if I am made of the stars, right? Like you, the the darkness really can't overtake me. And so then it's like, all right, then let's do this. Yep. Like, and uh, so then I was in my group the other day saying, telling them that like a divine feminine woman wouldn't, wouldn't um, like, we're not going to take crap from, from the likes of <laughs> toxic men, totally, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and they're like, well, but we only have certain women that, you know, will call us. And I'm like, well, you know what? Actually, women are safe to be in their divine state when you act like a divine man, right? Like when you're in your divine masculinity, you're going to, you know, there's the law of attraction and whatever. Right. And so I did, I'm like, so, I mean, you could just stop using them for money. Right. <laughs> like, one of the guys looked at me, he's like, Ugh. <laughs> but I'm like, I knew, I'm like, you told me that in individual session that that's what you do. So I don't, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yes, I am calling you out on that. Like if you want to actually be, you know, protective and kind and get to know, you know, these mm-hmm. women, maybe you'll get something different than you think, you yep, know, definitely. It's, 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 you know, I'm working with a client right now and it's, it's not the, the, that we process and forget about the traumas in our life. We integrate, like we, we move past the, the, the initial shock of the trauma, but we realize, start to understand how it works with us. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that's an easy journey, right? Because trauma, we want to maybe move past. We want to get out of us. We want to just not do, but there's a reason for those things, mm-hmm. you know? And so when we can find a way to integrate the trauma into us, I think those are those layers that really help us understand, um, why it happened in the first place. Yep. But yes. it also, it reminds me of that, that old roomy quote, you know, beyond the ideas of good and bad, there's a field. I'll meet you there. Yeah. Right. Because good and bad is really just a concept, right? Totally. It's just, you know, what's good for me might be bad for you. Right. Absolutely. And vice versa, mm-hmm. you know, it's that win lose metric. So, you know, when we can get past the idea of like, Oh, this is my good and that's your bad. And just understand that this is just a perspective, you know, yeah. and if we can maybe look at the overarching, yeah. like as the witness instead of the, 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 the person living it, mm-hmm. it might give us a little more discernment to be like, Oh, this is just now. Yeah. Right. This is just going to be right now. Mm-hmm. And then the next breath I take might be the most beautiful thing ever. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I think, yeah, that, that really is within that safety and the knowing who mm. we really are. 
I guess at least for me, a few days ago, I was like, whoa, like that literally just left me, Yeah. you know? Um, and there is just a knowing, like, you know, I, I get tired, I get scared, I get, you know, like mm-hmm. Still those, human. those parts come up, right? Totally. Those pain portals come up. Um, but it's like, I don't know, it's just such a pleasure to be a human knowing that you are fully divine, mm. you know, also. Yeah. Um, so. So how do you, uh, so it, you, it, it, from our talk, you, you have a very strong spiritual practice mm-hmm. and, um, psychology isn't something that was very spiritual or Not has been, you know? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. how does that, how are you finding the mix between those two worlds and your approach and the acceptance of, or, right. you know, cause I mean, it, I, I shouldn't even say the acceptance of, cause we'll find the people that need the help that we're sure. able to offer. Right? Yes, absolutely. But you know, like, yeah, the ethics code is, is very important and, and it's very important for me to hold space for anybody, right. Who walks in my office. Yep. And so, um, you know, and some people like advertise themselves, for example, as a Christian therapist or whatever, mm-hmm. or I don't know if there's metaphysical therapists. I think that if I were to advertise myself later on, it will be like, yeah, no, this is like a Reiki slash psychology slash, you know, whatever you healing. Um, and so once you market yourself in a certain way, that's fine. But, um, I think that's where the, the internal family systems therapy concept of the self, the self energy. And because then it doesn't matter. Like, you know, like, um, when we talk about meditation, I was at one, um, meditation retreat and, and I I said, like, I just don't know what it is. And I've like completely walked away from my religion. But then I start to remember like times when like the true God, like was speaking to me when I was young and, you know, um, and it was nice because the guy said, yeah, like, we're just going to drop in and, um, go with it because none of us really know what it is, Hmm. but we all know it's there when we drop into it. Right. Yeah. Right. And so that's kind of just, you know, so even the most, you know, a staunch atheist, you could say, okay, so you're just, you're teaching your body how to go between parasympathetic and sympathetic and whatever they experience will be a, an experience of wholeness. Um, you know, uh, Richard Swartz, the guy who, who, who kind of came up with um, internal family systems therapy. I mean, he is the father of it, but I love the way he talks about how he came up with it because he just started watching his clients talk about parts and then he was like, huh, um, this is a thing. And mm. and he even talks about the way we talk about suicidality. Like we'll say, you know, we try to contract somebody to not do it, but then he had this patient that came in. He They they had done a a big contract about not harming herself again and came in with a huge scar, like cut on her face. And he just said to her like, okay, I give up. Like, and he started talking to that part. And it turns out that even the suicidal part wants a voice. Mm, Right. Wow. And so they call it like, yeah, they break it down to firefighters and managers. So the managers say, never again, am I going to let this thing happen to you? Right. To myself or whatever. And then, and then the firefighters say like, make it go away, make it go away, make it go right. away. It's too hard. It's too Put painful. It yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So, but then, but then just recognizing that there is not a person on this planet who doesn't have a self. And so, but, but Richard Swartz says like, for me, it's spiritual, but it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. And so for me, because I was really cut off, um, I just realized that like, I kind of really got back into communication with source this year. And it, it was funny cause I manifested it on my, um, vision board on, on December 31st. But I was like, I really want that back. Yeah. I felt so lost after I wasn't a Christian anymore. It was so horrible. Cause I'm like, I was, you know, accustomed to praying and feeling known and feeling, you know, this communion mm. and unity with the divine. And so I'm really, really thankful. But 
um, I did just have one of my new employees sit in on my group and, and he said like, yeah, the spiritual stuff like kind of freaked me out at first. Cause it's a very yoga, you know, like I'm like, we're going to do a chakra alignment right now All right. <laughs> because it just really feels like it's the same as a grounding exercise. Right. Like that is what it is and there's truth to it and it's helpful, you know? And then, you know, just yesterday when I was in group, I said, okay, sit here. I want you to try to feel both sides of your face. Um, and like, you know, I told them like my subjective experience is the right side of my face, like, like is more down, right? My, the left side is like more restricted up, like yeah. crunched up, you know? And, and so just helping them tap into really, it's just, it's just intuitive knowing. Um, and so therefore it, it doesn't, it, anybody can call it whatever they want. Right. Right. And I, I love that, you know, when you can take the labels off of it yeah. and, and be malleable enough to take the labels off of it and not have you, your practice, your ideas right. be violated or be, you know, skewed in a way that you don't feel that you can, Oh, I'm not going to take that client because they don't want right. me to. It's like, no, no, no. How yeah. do I, Whoever. how do I show up the yeah. best I can for the person across from me? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And any and all. And, and, and what I do know is that activating your parasympathetic nervous system through yoga and meditation and, you know, things that we experience as very spiritual, a lot of us, right? Um, it leads to healing. And, and that's, that's not ever been untrue. Right. <laughs> you know, so. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing every, all your information, polyvagal theory, yoga for trauma. Um, I'm excited to actually learn more about internal family systems. Yeah. So I'd love to have you back to talk about that Absolutely. down the road. Um, <laughs> but if, if there's anything I can do to support you in your journey, please let me know. I will. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with Dr. Christine Gomes and myself. Uh, please check out the show notes for ways to get in touch with Dr. Gomes or myself or ways that you can support the show. Obeisance and love. We'll see you next time.